I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 164. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. This week we're going to talk about God getting a hold of us, because it's really all about Him anyway. He first loved us. He pursues us. He rescues us. He redeems us. He chose us. This is what Toby Mac sings about in his song, Love Broke Through, and his personal conversion experience will send us to the Old Testament to see the story of an unlikely responder to God's unrelenting love. Before we head over to Second Chronicles, let's listen. I did all that I could to undo me, but you loved me enough to pursue me. I said I'm yours the first time I called you Lord song lyrics say, I did all that I could to undo me, because that is exactly what Manasseh did in the Old Testament. Talk about doing all that he could to defy God. Not familiar with this guy? Well, 2 Kings tells a part of his story, but 2 Chronicles gives us even more details. So let's dive right in to 2 Chronicles chapter 33. Now, Manasseh was the son of Hezekiah, and scripture tells us that he became king at the young age of 12. He is the longest reigning king who did evil in the sight of the Lord. He reigned 55 years. Now, the gist of his reign is this. He started out evil really evil. In fact, scripture says that he did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. But he ended up humbly humbly submitting himself to God. So 2 Chronicles 33 gives us the details. And I went ahead and made a list because I know you're going to want to go ahead and read it all for yourself in context, but I I don't have time to read it to you, but I do want to tell you what happened in 2 Chronicles 33. Manasseh did 
the following. First of all, followed the detestable practices of the nations that the Lord had driven out of the promised land when the Israelites took possession of it. It was a long time before Manasseh, but God had cleaned house and Manasseh brought back the trash bags and spread the filth all around. Okay. He rebuilt the high places that his own father, Hezekiah, demolished. Now we're going to go into the relationship between Manasseh and his father a little later, but I just want to suffice it to say here that Hezekiah tore down these high places and Manasseh rebuilt them. What are high places anyway? Well, high places were centers for Canaanite idol worship that the Jews were commanded to tear down. And king after king failed to do so. Even Solomon eventually lost his kingdom because he failed to tear down the high places. So Manasseh couldn't leave well enough well enough alone, right? He chose to rebuild them again, basically baiting the people of his kingdom to worship idols. Um, Manny, I think that was one of the big 10 that you trampled all over there. Okay. Now he erected altars to the Baals. These were, uh, idols of earth and rain and, and Judah was an agricultural kingdom. So those idols were very appealing to them. He made Asherah poles and Ashtoreth was the Canaanite goddess of fertility And let's just say some extremely immoral practices took place around those Asherah poles. He bowed down to all the starry hosts and worshipped them. We're talking sun and moon and stars here. You know, created things. This is the beginning of quite a list we have here, right? But he's not done. He built altars in the temple of the Lord. In both courts, he built altars to the starry hosts. So at this point, he is crossing a doozy of a line. You know, scripture points out here, it says he built altars in the temple of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, my name will remain in Jerusalem forever. And as if everything Manasseh did wasn't a personal affront to God, of course it is. This one really did it. But we're not done yet. He sacrificed his children in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hanom. Moloch was an Ammonite god to whom children were sacrificed. And I read recently that archaeologists have actually found clay jars containing the charred bones of babies in places thought to be areas where Moloch was worshipped. And the list continues, if you can believe that. Manasseh practiced divination and witchcraft. He sought omens and consulted mediums and spiritists all of which was specifically condemned by the Lord. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, it says, There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, check, uh, who uses divination, check, one who practices witchcraft, check, or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer or one who casts a spell or a medium, check, 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 or a spiritist, check, or one who calls up the dead. For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. And because of these detestable things, the Lord your God will drive them out before you. He was saying all these things that these Canaanites do are detestable to me and I'm going to get rid of them. These are the very things that Manasseh rebuilt and did. It was almost like he pulled that list out to say, hmm, I wonder what would make God mad today and I'm going to do that. But he wasn't done yet. Manasseh took an image that he had made and put it in the temple of God. 
And once again, the scripture points out the severity of, of this act. This is how it words it. He took the image he made and put it in God's temple of which God had said to David and to his son Solomon in this temple and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. I will not again make the feet of the Israelites leave the land I assigned to your ancestors. It if only they will be careful to do everything I commanded them concerning all the laws, decrees, and regulations given through Moses. Like I said, I mean, it's almost like Manasseh knew everything that would despise God, and he did that. It's like he made his own spiritual checklist, and instead of checking off obedience to the will of God, he went out of his way to do exactly what God said not to do, which makes me wonder, why? Why would he do that? You know, I've had friends and loved ones who would pursue all other options except the love of Christ. They would listen to the History Channel and gurus, quote unquote, from around the world and read every book and every article and every idea, everything except scripture. It's like they were determined to find true peace anywhere else but through God. And scripture tells us that that, um, Manasseh did this, obviously. And, And it also tells us that he was 12 years old when he became king. And that's pretty young, even for the ancient days. And I don't care how mature you could possibly be at 12. Having all of the power and prestige of being a ruler thrust on you can go to your head. And there's a distinct possibility that Manasseh had advisors in his ear. You know, scripture doesn't detail this. Sometimes he'll say, and the mother did this, or this advisor said this. But you can imagine, sometimes the most powerful position is manipulating the person in the most powerful position. Or maybe, maybe I just watched too many political shows on television. But you can see how that is a great possibility. Now, the peculiar thing is that Manasseh was born to a king who scripture describes as doing right in the eyes of the Lord. But if Manasseh is 12 years old when his dad dies and he becomes king, that really tells us a lot, actually. So I hope you'll take this challenge to discover all of this on your own. But you can read all about Hezekiah's reign in 2 Kings chapters 18 through 20, 2 Chronicles 29 through 32. So just back up a little bit from where we are today in in chapter 33. And then there's quite a few details in Isaiah chapters 36 through 39. That is where we discover the part of the story that may just shed some light as to why Manasseh didn't follow in his father's footsteps. So as a recap, Hezekiah, Manasseh's father, he falls ill and God heals him. Actually, God offers him 15 more years. Isn't that interesting? We were just talking the other day about how although part of us would want to know when we're going to die, there's another part of us that are like, I'm so glad I don't know when I'm going to die. Well, Hezekiah knew he had 15 more years. And after that, pride got the best of him. Hezekiah did not consult the Lord when he showed off all of his treasure to the king of Babylon. And when Isaiah the prophet approached him to let him know that there were going to be consequences for this prideful act, Well, you just have to hear it for yourself. Um, It's in Isaiah. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord Almighty. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be born to you, will be taken away and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. The word of the Lord you have spoken is good, Hezekiah replied, for he thought... There will be peace and security in my lifetime. 
what? <laughs> I'm not sure if Manasseh was alive yet, but what kind of father is that? Oh, good. That sounds bad and all, but at least I'll have peace and security. And we can do the math, right? Manasseh was born to Hezekiah in his 15-year extension on his life. And so I'm just curious, was he like, well, son, sorry to tell you, but I kind of messed up and I'm pretty sure you'll be carried off to Babylon. Good luck, though. Or did he frantically try to dig up that seed that he planted and, and maybe go after his son with total religiosity and ended up turning old Manny off to everything godly? Or was he so unbelievably selfish, as indicated by this passage, that he lived it up until the day he died because at least he had peace and security in his lifetime? Crazy thoughts, right? I bet some of you have stories like this, though. No, really. The more I visit with students and through the work, uh, school that I work at and with friends at community group, the more I realize how crazy broken this world really is. So you all have a story and history that feed into why you make the decisions you make or have the tendencies you do. And I'm not saying it's okay to sit, to stay in sin, but tracing it all back to the source can really shed light on things. So whether it was advisors or dear old dad or a combination of all of it, Manasseh went on a rampage of evil. And one of the things that was most despicable was the rebuilding of the high places. And I mentioned earlier that the high places were literally places that were generally high up on a hill or something where the Canaanites would sacrifice to idols, worship them, and do other detestable things. And all of this study this week has me thinking about the high places in our own lives. You see, high places were very seductive. These places drew in the people of God to sin. But So what are your high places? What calls your name to sin? What are your high places? If you have a tendency to sin in the area of drunkenness, perhaps your high place is a group of friends that always drink and invite you to go with them, or a certain restaurant, or a bar, or even your own liquor cabinet that you refuse to tear down, so to speak. If you have the tendency to sin in the area of gluttony, overeating, perhaps your high place is your own pantry, the one you refuse to clean out because you know the kids need their after-school snacks. Your high place could be your smartphone, where your addiction to social media or pornography is always at your fingertips. And I often say that um, our greatest strength taken to an extreme can also become our greatest weakness. And I seem to be pretty good at words. I I use words for a living, not only in my podcast, but what I do at the school that I work at. But if I'm not careful, I can go right on up to that high place of gossip and slander and despise my Lord, just like Manasseh. So what are your high places? And what have you done to tear them down so that you will not be seduced to worship there instead of at the feet of Jesus? The story in Second Chronicles 33 goes on to say, The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. So the Lord brought against them the army commanders of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh prisoner, put a hook in his nose, bound him with bronze shackles, and took him to Babylon. You see, God did not leave Manasseh to his wicked ways. He did not say to Manasseh, I told your ancestor Moses what I felt about these things, and he wrote them down, and bam, that's it. No, God had priests and prophets to declare his word and his will. 
Just like he's speaking to you today through this podcast. He speaks to you through your pastor, through his word, his Holy Spirit that lives within you if you're a believer. He speaks to your heart that way. God even moves through your circumstances to make you look up. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. So the Lord allowed them to go into bondage. You see, God was going to fulfill his word. And some of Hezekiah's own flesh and blood would be carried off to Babylon, just like God said. And then there comes verse 12. In his distress, this is Manasseh, in his distress, he sought the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his ancestors. I love this verse because you do realize that Manasseh had another option in his distress. In fact, I was reading a few of the stories leading up to Manasseh. So I was reading about King Ahaz, and that's Hezekiah's father. So that would be Manasseh's grandfather. And in Second Chronicles chapter 28, verse 22, it says this, In his time of trouble, King Ahaz became even more unfaithful to the Lord. So there's your other option. Are you in distress? Perhaps it's because of the high place you refuse to tear down in your own life. Perhaps it is through no fault of your own, but you can have two options. In your time of distress and trouble, you can, number one, become even more unfaithful to the Lord. Or number two, seek the favor of the Lord and humble yourself greatly. I want you to picture this with me. I went over quite a list of evil things that Manasseh did. It, it kind of reminds me of Paul. You know, I unpacked his story in episode number 133 when we used the song Never Too Far Gone. Manasseh would sure make the list of too far gone, in my opinion. Luckily, my, my opinion doesn't count because only God's opinion accounts. And when you really think about it, it's clear why scripture says that Manasseh humbled himself greatly. You see, he'd lived his whole life not just neutral to the things of God, but opposed to the things of God. He had to humble himself greatly because he sinned greatly. He very easily could have just given up, gotten hard, and died in his distress. But there is always a choice. Always. You see, your past doesn't define who you choose to be in the future. Your heritage doesn't define who you have to be. You have the choice to pay attention to God's words or not. You have the choice to seek God's favor and humble yourself. You know, when we keep reading, we see, quote, when Manasseh prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea. So he brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. The Lord was moved by Manasseh's prayer. God listened to his plea. God rescued him and restored him. And he can do the same thing for you and for your loved ones. Then you'll know that the Lord is God. Now, you may think that I forgot about the Bible interaction tool exercises this week, the bites that I use to interact with God's word. Well, I didn't. Instead of telling you about them, I modeled them. 
I took the bite of context. I never would have understood Manasseh without exploring a bit of his heritage. And so I took the, um, I read the stories leading up to Manasseh. I took the bite of following the cross references. You see, I read a little bit about Hezekiah in the chapters leading up to chapter 33, but by following the cross reference to Isaiah, I got an even more complete picture. And then finally, I took the bite of remembering that the people we read about in the Bible were real. We talked about what could have been in between the lines in Manasseh's story. You see, this was a real boy who really became king, who was really that evil, who was really hauled off to Babylon with a hook in his nose, who really humbled himself and really lived the rest of his life restored and leading others to do the same. Now, because of these tools, we not only considered Manasseh, but we pondered our own high places in our lives. And we considered the importance of the advisors in our lives and discovered that while we may be shaped by our past and our heritage, we don't have to choose to be defined by it in the future. Choose wisely. So what's next? We'll read 2 Chronicles 33 for sure. I recommend actually reading 2 Chronicles 29 through 33 and then going over to Isaiah 36 through 39 to go ahead and get that full story of Hezekiah as well as Manasseh. And then think seriously about your own high places and choose to tear them down and allow God to restore you. And while you're in God's Word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneesat.com. You can hop on Twitter or Facebook, and we can talk about what you're learning. And before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank the premier Christian music streaming service, theoverflow.com, for featuring a 10-day series of devotions pointing their subscribers to this podcast. But more importantly, pointing them to God's Word through music. I encourage you to check them out, theoverflow.com. And I want to shout out to all my new subscribers to my website this week. Now, I used to be able to list you all by name because it used to just be four or five people a week that are subscribing, but now it's like 20 or more, and the list is getting super long. And so I just want to tell you, I value you, and I thank God for each of you by name. Thank you for subscribing. Now, the benefit of subscribing is that I will email you once a week. And in that email, you'll get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You'll also get an email recap of the week's episode, and you'll get instant access to any of the resources I create for my episodes from time to time. All of that is just my way to say thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneesat.com to subscribe today. And then don't miss an episode of my podcast by subscribing in iTunes. And while you're there, leave me a written review and a star rating. This not only encourages me, but it helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will use the song Your Love is Strong by John Foreman. This is a song that we sing in church, and my daughter Meredith requested it. How can I resist? And if you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 164. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.